Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people, to experience the compassionate love of the Father, and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. morning again. You all know I always like to start out with a quick prayer, so I'd like to pray. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who's here today. Thank you for your word, Father. Lord, I pray that your word would be preached today and it would penetrate all of our hearts. I pray, Lord, that this message would penetrate everyone's heart today as it has penetrated mine as I've been preparing for this word. I thank you for everyone who's here today. I pray, Lord, that you would move and have your way in them. In Jesus' name, amen. I was in Mexico about three weeks ago, and I was studying the word. And I was in the second chapter of Timothy. And the Lord began to stir in me a sermon Uh, that I'm calling God's Firm Foundation. It has been an interesting few weeks preparing for this sermon. I've really been impacted a lot by it myself. I want... The subject that this brings is the topic of repentance. And I want you to know that I share this topic out of a heart of love and out of a heart of wanting to see all of us live out the life that God has called us to live. If you could turn the next slide. Pastor Brady has has said from day one that the Calling Community Church is a Christ-centered community, and our mission is to create a space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. And I would challenge you today that without the spiritual discipline of repentance in your life, you will never, you will never come to fully understand or fulfill his calling on your life. And that's the basis of this message today. If you could turn the slide. So we begin in 2 Timothy 2.19. It says, God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. You see, that implies that those who know the Lord might be living in iniquity. Would that be true? Would that be true about your life? Of course it is true. Of course it is true for all of us. We all struggle with sin. We all struggle with our flesh. Everyone in this room deals with some measure of sin and iniquity in their lives. And I would challenge you today that, if you could turn the next slide, in order for us to be useful for good work 
ready for the Lord and useful for good work. Timothy says here, it says here in Timothy, now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver but of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be, number one, a vessel for honorable use. Number two, set apart as holy. Number three, useful to the master of the house. And number four, ready for every good work. I won't ask you to show your hands, but who in here wants to be ready for every good work? Who in here wants to be useful to the Lord? Who in here wants to be set apart as holy? Who in here wants to be a vessel for honorable use? I would challenge you that everyone in this room wants your life to have meaning and purpose. And I would challenge you that there is no higher purpose than to serve the God of creation, the God of the universe, the God of all that there is, your creator, your heavenly father. It is exciting if you think about the fact that you were called to be set apart. How many parents do we have in here by show of hands? You have the great privilege and responsibility to teach your children that they were called and set apart. However, if you don't realize that truth in your own life, how can you demonstrate that for your children? Have you ever, it's interesting, it's, it's the first Sunday in January, have you ever come to the end of a year with regrets? Have you ever come to the end of a year heavy-hearted? Have you ever come to the end of a year saying, wow, I don't want 2019 to be like 2018 was? Can anyone in this room relate to that in any way? There is hope. There is hope in the Lord. Amen? Next slide, please. God's Word says that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. We've seen a lot of that in our country. Roberto has seen a lot of that in Bolivia. I've seen a lot of that, a lot of that in Mexico in the last year. We see it all over the world. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. I have a question for you. Any history students in this room? How many civilizations, if you think about all the dynasties in China, or you think about Babylon, you think about Pax Britannica, you think about the Roman Empire, you think about the Assyrians, how many civilizations have fallen because of iniquity and sin. Great civilizations in the history of the world, by my count, and I'm not a historian, but there's more than 30. The kingdom of Ur, dating back four or 5,000 years B.C., I think. 
Think about every civilization that has fallen because of iniquity. Then think about every household that has fallen because of iniquity. And think about every marriage that has been destroyed because of iniquity. Yesterday, while Dwayne and I were ministering in the city, we met a pastor, ex-pastor, living out of a grocery cart. He'd been in prison for seven years. Claimed he was committing an uh, act of self-defense. I don't know. I don't know the guy's story. But he couldn't get past that. He wanted to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. How many are being led astray in this country, in this church, in the church in America? How many are being led astray because they are lovers of self? Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Slanderous, gossips, drunkards, sexual perversion. Must I go on? And it goes on. Next slide, please. One of my favorite heroes of the faith who we lost this last year was Billy Graham. I want to read to you a few comments from him about sin. Billy said, It is a major theme so emphatically talked about in the Bible by the prophets and apostles, but it is scarcely mentioned by contemporary preachers and pastors. Billy Graham said that we preach the dignity of man rather than his depravity. Billy Graham said, we have declared man's goodness rather than his wickedness. We often vindicate ourselves rather than confess our guilt. Have you ever listened to a criminal? Do you know a criminal? Have you been in jail for something that you did? Have you ever heard someone constantly try to defend their position, vindicating themselves? Have you talked to someone who's been through a divorce? And it's always about what she did. Not what I did. We all seek justification and vindication for our sin. In one way or another. The Bible says that there are none who are righteous. I'm summarizing this, but he said, Sexual perversion, violence, lying, drunkenness, stealing, disunity, divorce, and so it goes on. No one is to blame for his or her sins. To uphold the dignity of man, we have vindicated all, providing alibis for each and every offense. Ladies and gentlemen, either the Bible is wrong or we are wrong. Next slide, please. Revelation 3.19 says, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent you see i want to tell you that the message today is not a message of hatred or judgment or bigotry the message today is a message of love because the lord loves you he disciplines you just like you do your children if you didn't care you wouldn't discipline them would you you wouldn't take the time it's wearisome 
How many of you have ever, well, first question, how many of you have children who are older than teenagers? How many of you have worn yourself out trying to raise them? Iniquity was found in the heart of man when he was born. My intent is to share this message and hope that it will impact your hearts as it has impacted mine. I needed to preach this message. I needed to hear this message. I needed to prepare for this message. I love the Lord Jesus, but I struggle with my own pride, with my own iniquity, with my own lust, with my own arrogance. I love this next scripture. Next slide, please. I love this scripture found in Ezekiel chapter 18. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord. Repent and turn from your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? 32, verse 32. This is why I love this scripture. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord, so turn and live. The Lord has no pleasure in the death of anyone, so turn and live. Understand the heart of God the Father. Understand the heart of your Creator. He's knocking on the door of the sinner's heart because he has no desire that they would perish. He loves them. Next slide, please. Actually, skip. Go to uh, the following slide, 2 Peter 3, 9, and then come back. Talks about this in the New Testament as well. 2 Peter 3, 9. I love this scripture. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. He's talking there about the coming. But he's patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all would repent. The Lord is patient. The Lord is patient. We say that. The Lord is patient. The Lord has been patient with me. I would guess he's been patient with you. And all of our stubborn ways. Now we turn back to Titus, please. Titus chapter 1. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and the unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for good works. They profess to know God, but deny Him by their works. I thought that you couldn't earn your way into salvation. You don't. You don't earn your way into salvation, but your works prove that you... Salvation, think about this for just a minute. Salvation has to do with the emotion of the heart. One says, I love Jesus. 
It has to do with the intellect of the mind saying, I believe. I believe. But it also has to do with the will. Salvation has to do with the will which says, I will follow and I will obey. One must decide if they're going to follow Jesus. Along the way, there are bumps and bruises. Along the way, as you are sanctified, and we'll talk about that further in the scriptures, there are bumps and bruises, and you fall down. There is not an expectation of perfection, but there is an expectation that one will not go on deliberately sinning, deliberately sinning. And God, in the end, says, depart from me, I knew you not. If you love the Lord, you will attempt to follow the Lord. Next slide, please. So, grace and repentance, can they coexist? Can we have grace and call for repentance? Of course. Of course. Without repentance, there is no grace. Without the sinner recognizing their need for a Savior, there is no salvation. Billy Graham says one of the fundamental steps in the stairway to heaven, in the stairway to salvation, is the repentant heart. Grace. Titus chapter 3. I love this explanation of the gospel read it learn it mark it in your bible it's one of the ones less used when we quote the gospel but it's one of my favorites because in, a, in very short order it gives a wonderful explanation let's read it together when the goodness and loving kindness of god do you get that goodness loving kindness patience love are you seeing a, a theme here are you seeing a theme here? How do we approach the sinner? With love. It is the kindness of God that leads man to repentance. The Bible says in Romans. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. Merciful God, patient God, loving, kind God. Steadfast God. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by grace. But let's read on. Hebrews 10, 26 through 27 if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. I'm not going to comment on that right now. I'm going to let that soak in. And I'm going to let you read your Bibles and interpret that how you may. I might make a few comments before the end of the sermon. By the way, if you mark your Bible good in the New Testament, I've counted 
70 or 80 scriptures that kind of align with what I just read to you. What is repentance not? Let's go to the next slide. This is a good one. I can't take credit for it again. This is Billy Graham with a few of my own thoughts. I added one or two. Repentance is not penance. Penance. Penance, you know, that priest that takes a whip and whips their back or that Hindu that lies down on the bed of nails thinking that they're going to do penance for their sins. That is not repentance. Penance is not repentance. You cannot work your way into God's forgiveness. You cannot punish yourself into God's forgiveness. You get that? You cannot punish yourself into God's forgiveness. Remorse. Repentance is not remorse. Remorse itself has no redemptive value. Now we will talk about godly remorse here shortly. But remorse itself, just being remorseful about your sin, that is not repentance. You get that? Oh man, I did it again. Oh man, I got drunk yesterday and I'm on my way back to the bar. I'm remorseful about it, but I'm still headed in that direction. That is not repentance. Being remorseful, don't mistake that with repentance. This is a big one. I need for about probably 70% of you to let this one soak in. It is not self-condemnation. Repentance is not self-condemnation. Condemnation only opens more wounds of guilt and self-despair. When a young person tries to take their own life, I would say there's a measure of condemnation, self-hatred going on in their life. Hate your sin, not yourself. Can you say that? I want you to say that with me. Raise your right hand. I hate my sin. I don't hate myself. Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in the image of my creator. Keep your hand up. Let that soak in just a little bit. All the way down to your heart. How many of you, you don't, all right, put your hands down. How many of you needed to hear that today? bet most of you I needed to hear it when I was just thinking about it and writing it down because I get hard on myself about my sin I do self-hatred leads to self-destruction it is wrong to destroy that which was made in God's image can we all agree with that number four Repentance is not blaming others for your sin. Men, I don't know why, but I think we're worse at that than the women are. We really, I, I, maybe, maybe it's just me. 
I think we're quick to point fingers. I think we're quick to point to our wife when maybe we ought to be pointing to ourselves. Anybody in here guilty of that? You don't have to show your hand. Next slide, please. Do you like these slides, by the way? My wife convinces me I need to do this because I cover so much and keep everybody from getting lost. Keeps me from wandering off in my Holy Spirit trails. Although I still may try to do that. So, where are we at? What is repentance? Oswald Chambers has some really profound things to say about repentance. He says that godly grief produces... Oh, wait, that's, that's the scripture I shared earlier already. But 2 Corinthians 7.10 is a critical scripture. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation. Is it necessary for one to repent to be saved? It is. Believe it or not, I know I've co-labored with evangelists who thought that repentance was not a tenement of salvation, which is utterly false. If you don't need to repent, why'd Christ die for you? Why'd he hang on the cross? Why did he bleed for you if you don't need to repent? If, if, if somehow you figured out how to be righteous and holy and sanctified all on your own, then I guess you don't need Jesus. But he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So again, either what the Bible says is real or what you say is real. It can't be both. The world can't have it both ways. But they want to. We have almost eradicated sin from our vocabulary today. Have we not? We love to talk about words like tolerance or intolerant. If you say something is wrong, at least in American culture, then you're called intolerant and wrong. However, that same person, if I walked up on them and slapped them around and took their wallet, I think they'd say that was wrong. Would they not? If I just decided to go on in their house and open up their fridge and take some food and sit down on the couch and kick my feet up and have a meal or two on them, wouldn't they think that's wrong? The marvels of conviction of sin, forgiveness, and holiness are interwoven. You get that? Sin, forgiveness, and holiness are interwoven that it is only the forgiven man or woman who is the holy person. He proves he is forgiven by being the opposite of what he is. That is so good. You prove your faith. You prove that you are redeemed in Christ by becoming the opposite of what you were. Because prior to Christ, you probably weren't so great, were you? And, and, if you're still not so great in several areas of your life, then that means that you need to draw closer to the Lord, abiding in Him, practice the discipline of repentance as though it were any other spiritual discipline. Reading the Bible is a spiritual discipline. Without being in the Word of God, you won't abide in the Word of God. Jesus said, abide in... Wait. Jesus said, abide in my Word and I will abide in you. 
Abide in my word and I will abide in you. He also says we should pray continually. Pray, pray, pray. Talk to your father. Get to know him and listen. Sometimes my prayer is just reading a scripture or two and then I sit there with my eyes closed and I just wait on the Lord quietly. And then other times, my wife can attest, my prayers might be a little bit, I'm shouting and screaming and hollering and Develop your prayer life, your prayer walk, the way that you will. But remember this. You cannot have a relationship with someone if you don't communicate with them, if you don't listen to them, if you don't talk to them. If you... Now, I'm saying this as a comment, okay? As an admonishment, maybe. As a warning. You know, the Bible is full of turn signals, by the way. Bible's full of turn signals. Turn away from this. Turn away from that. If you're not in the Word of God and somewhat hungry for the Word of God, check your heart. Examine yourself to see that you're in the faith. And I don't say that as a judgment. I'm simply saying this. If you believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, your Creator, your Heavenly Father who you've committed your life to, why would you not want to know about him and know about it and soak it in every day? I'm not saying this as a judgment. I'm just saying it as, as a truth, as an admonishment, as a, maybe a turn signal if it applies to you. If you're not in the Word of God, if you're not talking to God, red flag. The trumpet call to repentance. That's part of what this message is about today. God is at work when a man says, wait. Let me back up. Repentance always brings a man to this point. I have sinned. The surest sign that God is at work is when a man says that and means it means it. Anything less than that is remorse for having made blunders. Have you ever done that? You make a blunder and you might have a remorse for that, but is that true repentance? Can you go, I have a slide that was Ezekiel chapter 18. I think it's either before or after. Can you find that for me? after it's there it goes it's a reference yeah okay right there right there let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 18 real quick kind of some interesting things we learn about about sin verse 5 says that a righteous man will surely live it says that an unrighteous son I'm paraphrasing here there's a lot it's a mouthful that chapter so the son of a right, the unrighteous son of a righteous man will perish. Do you get that? Righteous man will live. The unrighteous son of a righteous man will perish. Verse 14, an unrighteous man, but a righteous son. The son lives, the father dies. Do you get that? Unrighteous man, the son says, I'm not going to walk in the way of my father. 
So he walks in righteousness. He lives. Summary. Verse 20. The soul who sins shall die. Here's the part I love. Verse 21. Wicked man turns away. I put in parentheses repentance because that's what it is. When a wicked man turns away from his sin, he will not die. Verse 24. Think about this for just a minute. A righteous man who turns away from righteousness and does injustice, none of the deeds that he has done shall be remembered. Verse 27, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life. Let's go back to what is repentance. The slide... Uh, it says, repentance does not bring a sense of sin, but a sense of unutterable unworthiness. Now that seems kind of, let's go on. Repentance brings about a sense of unworthiness. Why? When I repent, I realize that I'm utterly helpless. I know all through me that I'm not worthy to even bear his shoes. Have you ever repented like that? Or is there a lingering suggestion of standing up for yourself? Think about that one for just a minute. It gets back to the thing that I was saying, what repentance is not, blaming others. If you stand up for yourself, if you go, oh, I guess it was wrong for me to look at pornography, but this, 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 and this, then you're still kind of standing up for yourself. Oh, I guess it was wrong for me to go do this, but if you keep throwing in qualifiers, that's not repentant heart. You get that? That is not a repentant heart. And that's why you won't see a change in your life either, by the way. The only way to walk away from your sin is strengthened through the grace and blood of Christ. That's his part. Your part is having the will to walk away from it and having the humility to admit that what you're doing is wrong. 100%. Without justification. If you still struggle willfully in sin, chances are you're not abiding in Christ, abiding in his word, prayer, practicing the discipline of repentance. And the precursor to that is you're not repenting because you're still justifying your sin. And number three, because you're not Cozying up close enough to Jesus to be changed and empowered by his Holy Spirit. Under the shadow of his wing, the Bible says. You get underneath the shadow of the Lord's wing and you start cozying up to Jesus. And you start thinking about what he did. This is what causes remorseful repentance. When you think about Christ being laid out, suffering for your sin. Make it personal. Stop. Don't think about the sins of the world. A lot of people love to talk about the sins of the world. I'm an evangelist. I go, I see people all the time who want to talk about what everybody else is doing, but they don't want to own up to what they're doing. But he laid down on that thing, got nails stuck in his hands, 
the Father chose that His flesh would perish so that you could repent of your sin and not perish. That's what the cross should mean to us. What is repentance? Whoops. I'm going to lean that up over here by this speaker maybe. That'll help. Making a mess. I'm good at that. Just ask my wife. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 The will of God is your sanctification. All that Jesus made possible is made mine by the free loving gift of God on the ground of what he performed. My attitude as a saved and sanctified soul is that of a profound, humble holiness. Sanctification makes me one with Jesus. Do you get that? You can become one with Christ as you practice the discipline of repentance and become sanctified and more like Christ. The effect in me is obedience and service and prayer and is the outcome of a speechless thanks and adoration for the marvelous sanctification wrought out in me because of atonement. I want to close with uh, that slide that says Billy Graham on repentance. Billy Graham said the Bible commands it. Our wickedness demands it. Justice requires it. Christ preached it. And God expects repentance. That divine, unalterable edict is still valid. God commands all men everywhere to repent. It's a commandment. I want to go back to something I said earlier. Your intellect says... I accept Christ. Your emotion says, I love Christ. And your will says, I will follow and obey Christ. Intellect, emotions, and will come into alignment to the obedience of Christ. Now, I want to open up the altar. Does anyone... I want you to think about everything I just preached. And I want you to think about the fact that God lifts up the humble. He supports the humble. And you can say, I'm going to repent on my own. I'm going to stay right here in my seat. You can do that. Surely you can. But I would ask you to consider taking that long or short walk down the hall, down to the bottom here, and join me at this altar, and let's repent together. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.